as we lead up to Christmas and what it's all about, that word Advent really uh, it means, it's a Latin word and it means coming. And so as we're thinking about Christmas and we're thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ and we're celebrating the Advent, keep that in mind. We're thinking about the coming, the coming of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to take a, a, a pause from the book of Acts, which we've been doing for the last you know, month or so, getting into this series. And we're going to jump over and we're going to look at a specific passage. And so if you would, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 8, 1 through 8. All right, very good. Today, why we're taking a break is this. We are um, talking a, a little bit about something that in the Bible is talked about more than sin and more than Satan, believe it or not. In the Bible, this is, talks about it, and it talks about a relationship to us. It talks about it's the one thing that can keep ourselves and sin uh, in our life. It would have more control in our life than a lot of things in our life. This, this topic is huge. This topic that we're talking about affects every single one of us. And I honestly have been wrong as the pastor of Church Project to not talk about and disciple us more in this topic in the past. It's one of those topics that when we start talking about, you go, uh-oh, we're talking about this. And yes, absolutely, we're talking about this. I want to ask, what is your perspective on money and giving? What is your perspective on money and giving? So if you're a first-time guest, welcome to the once-a-year message. Here it is. The more I submit to him in this area of my life, the more he has dominion over me. The more that I submit to him in this area of my life, the more his lordship can be over my life. I don't know if, if you're anything like me. I like the money, don't you? I like what it does. I like having a lot of it. I want more of it. There's a, there's a bunch in, the, in, in a jar on top of the refrigerator, and I want a whole lot more of it. Is anyone tracking with me? Okay, Peter is. Very good. You'll get it later. Okay. I, I do, though, want to disciple us through the most spending month of the year, which is this month right now. And so if you would, follow along with me. And, and this is what it says. In 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 1, it says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urged, pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. And they gave, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that, you, that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Are you following along? Can you find it in your Bible? That's what I thought. 
I saw, I saw a lot of people flipping there. Okay, so we're at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. I was like, I hear a lot of shuffling. When I see this going on in the front, I said something wrong, okay? All right, so we're on the same page now, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 8. Don't worry, I'm going to go back and I'm going to walk through all that. So if you missed it because you were wondering if I was crazy, we're going to pick through it. So let's look at verse 1 right here. I want to fly through this because it's so important, but this passage is talking about giving. This passage is a beautiful passage when you begin to look at it in the context of being a follower of God and what that means to give. So let's look at verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. People that I know to be givers have known and experienced what it's like to be given. The people that I know that are the most generous, they're known to be givers. They know what God has given them. People who give to God's work have been worked on by God. To think that even at Church Project, when we've given a dollar or a penny or whatever you've given in the past, to think even a portion of that went up to Krista, to the mountain today, and goes to all our different ministry partnerships that we're part of and is part of the church at large, you know what it's like to give because you've been given an incredible thing, this grace, this love of God. And so when we look at verse 1, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. We're talking about the people who give to God's work have been worked on by God. People who are givers realize that this grace that it talks about in verse 1, they have been given that grace. When we're talking about grace, we're talking about the very nature of God as a giver. God is a giver, and so at the core of who God is, he has given us grace, amen? He has given us his love, and so we're talking about the nature of God and who he is. I want to give because of the grace he has given me. But we could almost stop right there and say, that's enough when we're talking about giving. We want to give because we realize how much we have been given. To be honest with you, I'm working on being a bigger giver in light of what I've been given. I've I've been given much. Have you? I'm working on being a bigger giver in light of what I've been given. And I don't ever want to lose the perspective, as in verse 1, that this church knows about the grace of God that's been given to the Macedonian churches. And we know, as followers of Christ, how much God has given us, don't we? Let's move on to verse 2. In midst of a, a very severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I look at verse 2 and I go, what severe trial? And if you want to jump into the history books and begin to study what's going on right now, it's a severe famine that's happening right now. And if you look at verse 2, it says, in the midst of this very severe trial. Have you ever been in severe trials, churches? Have you? So in midst of their severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. When Paul is writing, there is a famine that's going on. It's also, keep in mind the context here, the church is a very few number of followers at this time. It's in the first century, it's first generation, 
Christians are starting to get martyred and start getting killed. Some people in, in the whole organization of the world are calling the church cultish. And so if you're a Christian at this time, it could be that you're even losing your job because they see you as part of a cult. Very few right now. This is what the church, this is the beginning of the church. And what does it say about this odd group of people, Christians, that some consider cultish, very few numbers moving in the first century in a severe famine. What does it say about this church? What are they? They are generous in the middle of this severe trial. And they're overflowing with joy. Ooh, I like that one. I've experienced this one, and maybe you've experienced this one as well. Even in the midst of a severe famine and a severe trial, they're overflowing with joy in here. People I know that are givers are full of joy, period. You ever heard it's more blessed to give than to receive? Is it true? The older I get, the more I'm going, yeah, absolutely, it's true. The people that I know that are givers are full of joy, When we are full of joy, it's a representation of who God is. It is so good to give. Some of us are lacking joy, and I wonder if it's because we don't give. Ouch. (laughs) Some of us are lacking joy, and I wonder if it's because we don't give. I know some very poor people when it comes to dollar, decimals. I know some very poor people And they are super generous people, full of joy. We're not talking about dollar amounts. We're not talking percentages. We're talking about people that are givers in life. The context is a people with nothing right here. A context is people with nothing, and yet they are giving. And what does it say? They are full of joy. The happiest people I've met Quite honestly, even to this day, I think about the time I drove into the dump in Mexico to meet a group of people, Christians, that their job was to just gather stuff and try to sell it and eat and live off of it. They lived right there, but they were so full of joy, and they even offered to give me stuff when I came there to serve them full of joy. We're not talking about dollar amounts. We're talking about being a generous people. Giving is not reserved, though, also for the time of plenty. Look, the church is giving when? In a famine. Like, we are, to call, we are called to be people that give at all times. When I have had the least amounts in my life, and when the needs have been there, it has been an incredible joy to give. To give, to think beyond myself. And I can imagine this church as they're scrounging to live and they're scrounging to move about together. I can imagine what it feels like to be able to contribute to the cause of Christ. It's in the trials, the toughest times in my life that God has taught me about provision and faithfulness. You see, because I feel like, you know, if I worked hard, I earned that dollar, right? So then it's my dollar, and so then I'm going to spend it how I want, right? Well, it's when those dollars haven't been there, and when it's been in the greatest, hardest times of my life, that God has really taught me about His provision and faithfulness in my life. 
Some of us today, God is going to be prodding in our life to be generous givers. And maybe for the very first time, God's going to say, test me in these things. Try me in these things. See that I will not provide for you this church in a famine, in a hard time. They were generous and wanted to do. It gave great joy. So do I give when it's difficult? Or do I give when I have plenty? Am I a giver? Uh, in Crested Butte. Anyone ever been to Crested Butte? Okay, yeah. I don't know if it's so much now, but it was a few years ago, that in between Crested Butte and Gunnison, it's a very safe place to hitchhike. You just hitchhike. That's what you do. It's just 30 miles, you just hitchhike. And so they have hitchhiking stations, and you go, and you just hitchhike. And, and, and that's kind of odd to me, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. So one day I went out, and I, I was hitchhiking, and, and I didn't meet at the official hitchhiking station. But someone still stopped and picked me up, and, and I'm driving, and, and, and he's driving and driving me to Crested Butte. And we just start talking, and I said, so do you pick up hitchhikers often? He goes, oh, yeah, anytime I see a hitchhiker. I'm like, even outside of Gunnison and Crested Butte where it's safe? He goes, if I see a hitchhiker, I'm picking up a hitchhiker. And I said, well, why? And he goes, well, if you've ever been a hitchhiker, you know what it's like to need a ride. And so I've been a hitchhiker. So anytime I see a hitchhiker, I'm picking up a hitchhiker, and I'm giving him a ride. Why? Because he knew what it was like to be in a time of difficulty, and he knew when someone showed up to give him a ride how much that meant. And so he was going to provide that ride to someone in need. In my life, I've truly found that the toughest trials, the times that has been the hardest for me, God has come down and met me in those areas and shown that he is going to be faithful, he's going to provide for me, and that he wants me to be a generous person that's full of joy. And when we come from that position, everything that we have, we hold lightly. And we say, I will provide to needs when I see them because God is my provider. I am not my provider. Amen, church? Generosity, look at this word. Some of us are so calculated in everything that we give, and it's got to make sense in everything that we give. It doesn't make sense, we're not going to give. Is that being a generous people? Most people who hate about hearing messages like this are not givers, are, are not generous, and they don't like to be discipled in this issue. Hey, I'll be honest, I'm working on being a joyful and generous giver, even in trials. Like, I want to be a person that holds life loosely and is generous and blesses other people. Let's go to, let's go to verse 3. Verse 3, uh, let me summarize 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, you know about the grace given to you in Macedonia churches. In the midst of a severe trial... They're overflowing with joy, and in their extreme poverty, we weld up in rich generosity, and we get to verse 3. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They, they urgently, or entirely on their own. That, that ends verse 3. Their giving was sacrificial. Do you see this? In a time of need and famine, their giving was sacrificial. Mark chapter 12 reminds me, and you can look at it, of, of an example of what it means to give. And it's not a prescriptive give, but it's a descriptive give, uh, to, a way to give. 
and it teaches about giving. And they're looking at, the, at people dropping money into the temple court, the treasury, right? And what happens? A widow comes up and gives two little mites and starts getting made fun of. And Jesus says, she gave more than anyone else. Like, they, to be generous and to be people that are giving. I don't know at Church Project who gives what. Do you know that, by the way, since we're talking about church project? I don't know who gives up. I don't want to know who gives what. I, I think that's really between you and God, and we'll see that here coming up in a, minute, in, in a little bit. But I don't want to know who gives what. We don't know who gives the most amount here. Like, it, it doesn't matter about that. Most sacrificial may actual, actually be the least amount. And the, and the widow shows us that. Maybe she was the most sacrificial, and she gave the least amount. I'm working on being a giver beyond my reserved logic. I'm working on being a giver that's letting go and being generous. Let's go to verse 4. Verse 3, for I testified that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Do you see that? They gave entirely on their own. That's craziness. Go to verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us. Now this is, can I say stupid? This is stupid. Look at verse 4. Like really, read these, read these, okay? They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Okay, pause. Look at, look at the last two words in verse 3. It says, or, or four words, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Did you get that? If people have been affected by the grace of Jesus, they want to give to the work of, that God is doing. They want to give to the church. It is a privilege in sharing in the needs of, of the saints. It's a privilege to join together and to unite together in this. So instead of us begging and saying, there's a tithe box over there, if you would, you feel like it, would you give to support this? Instead of saying that and pleading with you, you know what our response actually should be and our position should be? You're welcome that you get to give. Really? Like, look at what's happening in this early church. They're pleading. They're wanting. They're wanting to join together sacrificially and generously. They're wanting to join together as the church moves forward. Whoa. Is that our mindset as we sit here today? It is a crazy mindset to think that. Yet when you know how much you've been given, you want to give. Wow. Um, some of us have this idea that we, as the church, should feel it privileged that you give here. And it is fun. It is awesome. But if you don't want to give here, that's fine. You're just going to miss out on something. God is going to take care of his church. He's going to grow his church. And you're just going to miss out on the blessing of joining together what God is doing. And quite honestly, you're going to miss out on a lot. The widow that put in two mites knew. She knew how much she had been given. And she knew the joy of generosity to partner together with the church 
and she gave generously. Church, I, I pray that we're a people that give generously and faithfully and obediently and that we partner together for the cause of Christ in this world, in this city, in this world and beyond. They pleaded for the privilege to give. The topic that we're looking at here at the core is idolatry. If you don't like what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. It's not my words. I'm just sticking with scripture here, so you, you can't really come at me with this one. I'll be like, show me the other passage that combats what I'm saying, because what we're talking about here is, is idolatry. Wrestle with this. Think about this. Pray through this. The young college people that we have here, wherever you're sitting, get in the habit right now. Start being a generous people that's giving. No matter where you go, partner with the church wherever you go, wherever life takes you from this point. Because the widow got it. This church got it. And it filled them with joy. The first priority as you look here, especially in these verses right here, the first priority is the church. Notice they're giving to the church. And the church gives to the needs around the world. I've learned this in my limited travels. And if you've traveled the world, you've probably learned this as well, that a strong church is the foundation for a society. A strong church is a foundation for a society. We just started going to a remote village in Haiti. And I remember the first time we went to the remote village in Haiti and they didn't have a church. It was a dark place. And it was hard. We went back this last time, and now there's a, a literal church building that we've been able to partner with them and, and help build, and there's a pastor, and there's Christians, and there's like a glimmer of hope in that dark jungle amongst all the voodoo. A strong church is needed if you're going to see a strong society. Hey, I want to tell you, when we come together, just church project, this is just us locally, just in this room, church project, just us. We partner together right now with Christian education of all ages. So if you've given, you're, this is partly, partly what you're part of. Uh, Christian education of all ages. We partner with middle school and high school and a lot of college. We as a church, we feed hungry people. We as a church, we take in orphans and clothe them and grow them and feed them and educate them. We as a church welcome foreigners, especially to the campus of UNC with Dave Shelley. We as a church duplicate other churches and plant other churches. Like we as a church, we are moving and we are changing societies and we are changing people and we are doing it together. The church is the carrier of the gospel. In Greeley and beyond. And our church gives to these things. Our body is strong in giving. So I encourage you, church, and as, as we move, and even as God moves us in locations in different parts of the world, whatever church you're part of, instead of circumventing the church and giving to your own sympathies, your own individual sympathies, we give to the saints together, and we take care of it all together. I consider the church the greatest ministry in the world. I don't think you heard me. I consider the church the greatest ministry in the world. Did you know that you gave to all these things? Did you know that you helped plant the church in Buddha, what was it? Bushwin? 
Buddha in Bushwin, Haiti. Did you know that? Did you know that you're feeding hungry people right now every Friday and Tuesday through Todd Welsh at Waypoints? Did you know that? Did you know that you're speaking to 400 people right now up in Winter Park? Did you know that? Like the greatest ministry in the, in the world is the church. And we're a generous church. And we're a generous people. So we give here, and I know, I know because I, I know you people as well. You give beyond here as well. Directly to things that God's asked you to do. But don't circumvent the church to do that. It takes all of us moving together. When you circumvent the church and give to your own individual sympathies, you weaken the church and you weaken the ministries. It takes all of us moving together to be generous people. Wow. I should skip this next part. I think, I think you got the point on that one. <laughs> Let's go to verse 5. Well, I got to speed this up. Okay, I'll speed it up. Okay, here we go. Look at verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. These people are begging to give to this. And the giving from this famine-ridden place, what did it, it exceeded their expectations. Um, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. I think to speed this up for you, this is what I'm going to say. Giving is between you and God. It's an act of worship. Giving matters to God. God is telling you what he wants you to do with your money. And the question is, do you think of your offering as an act of worship? Are you giving first to God? The spiritual always affects the physical. So when you're praying and you're talking with God, that physical always affects the, the physical. And so if you see your, your giving as an act of worship, your pocketbook is going to give. But if you don't see your giving as an act of worship, your pocketbook is not going to give. What we believe affects how we behave. God didn't call us to the idea of giving. He calls us to the act of giving. I'll say that one again because that was just good. God didn't call us to the idea of giving. He called us to the act of giving. Let's go to verse 6. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier um, made a beginnings, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. I like verse 6. And if you're in, in any kind of fundraising organization or you send support letters or whatever, Look at how they did it in verse 6. Like it's a build up. They're like saying what's going on. They get to verse 6 and they say, so we urge you, Titus. This is where it's, if you're in sales, this is where you make the deal. You seal the deal right here in verse 6. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace in your part. He's saying it's time to bring this to completion. He urged the church and to give under the leadership of the church. And you can read later on in verse 18 of this chapter, 18, 19, 20, 21 of this chapter, how they had accountability in the church. The people gave generously to the church. The church had accountability, and they put the funds where it needed to go. And I'm going to tell you the same here at Church Project. As you bring to completion your intentionality to give, and you continue to give, we are going to be very diligent in how we spend that money. 
We're a young church. God is growing us in wisdom and in stature. We're a generous people. God is doing some incredible things here. To be able to partner with the ministries that God has allowed us to partner to is so humbling. It's humbling. I want to be a people that gives more and more and more. And I also want to be an organization that can be sustained for a long time. And so we're learning this balance of how much should we spend and how much should we give away. Let me tell you, last year we gave away 33% of every dollar that came in. That's insane. Go Google the statistics of how, many chur- how much money churches uh, average give away. It's nowhere near 33%. I don't boast in that. I celebrate in that. That's what ca- God has called us to do. And I think that's one of the things that sets us apart as church project. Okay, you've heard me speak for a long time now. I'll come up and, and close this up. But one of the things I want to do when it talks about accountability, um, I actually want to call Jared up um, to kind of give us some some of the, the technical number things because that's what he does and I'm not good at money. But we have, we have a financial team that, that has four people on it and I am, by, I am by far the most unsmart person on that team and Jared is very smart. So he's going to talk about money for a little bit. How's that sound? I'm the third unsmartest person on that, on that team. So You followed my unsmart word. All right. <laughs> I was just thinking earlier, Aaron hasn't made a word up in a long time, and that doesn't really qualify, but it kind of does. Um, so I'm, I'm a part of the financial team uh, that kind of directs, the, I guess, the finances uh, at this place. And uh, I also work or, uh, on the same team with Jack Mount and Bill Jerky. Uh, we try to be as diligent as possible with everything, and, uh, and it's pretty humbling when you get to see kind of what goes on in our little church. And... and uh, we have a, a pretty big budget for the, for the size of church we are. We have about a $200,000, $215,000 budget. And so last year in a perspective, uh, that's probably about fifty dollars to $60,000 we gave away uh, to different partnerships and stuff. This year will be a little less because we had some different uh, unforeseen uh, financial issues. Uh, for example, our big brother down in the woodlands ran into a little pinch, so we had to take up a little more. Um, they were supporting us a little bit. Uh, they kind of had to drop off. So we've pretty much been a self-sustaining church for the past five or six months. Um, and so that's been a, a, a huge blessing. Um, I, I will say that uh, on a little less specific, or I, I guess I'll finish with this. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can get on the website and find me. My name is Jared Ashida, J-A-R-R-O-D-A-S-H-I-D-A. Uh, uh, at gmail.com and uh, just, find a, just find an email email if you want to know any information and then they'll direct you to me and then we could talk about it or whatever or I could send you our financials but to Aaron's point about um, being super calculated I used to be really uncalculated in my giving and I probably gave away too much uh, and it, that can be a problem because you don't have enough food to eat uh, and, and different things like that however I was still fine, and I wasn't skinny and all that stuff, so I was all right. But I, but I will say two of the biggest blessings that I've had in my life as far as giving stuff came from two homeless guys. Uh, the first one was about 10 years ago, and uh, my friend and I were going to go to this concert. Uh, there was too long of a line. It was too cold, so we gave up, and we were walking, and then we met a homeless guy. Uh, he... he 
came and started witnessing to us, which we are Christians already, so we started talking. Uh, eventually, it came to the point where he, uh, he was cold. I gave him my $2 gloves, and then, uh, and then I gave him like 5 bucks or something like that. He returned that with a $25 Starbucks gift card because they wouldn't let him in Starbucks, so I ended up making money on the deal. Uh, but it was so humbling to see uh, someone give everything they had. And the guy missed his deadline to hit up the shelter, so I don't know where he slept that night. Uh, to be honest, I believe he might have been an angel. I don't really know. Uh, but it was so humbling to see generosity. And I think as a church, that's, where, that's the place where we need to be, is we need to have that generosity. And God tells us in the Word that we need to pray about it, think about it, and, and really consider what we give. But then when we give, we need to give joyfully. And uh, we are blessed with a, a church that has a lot of joyful givers. I also know that there's room to improve, and there's room to improve in me as well. And so I think we need to, you know, think about this. We've been going through Acts, and it's been a, a really neat time to, to reflect on it. And the thing that has struck me is the Bible is real. And I've been going to church for so long that it seems like a whole collective of stories and other things. It's like, oh, that's neat and whatever. But let's think about this stuff. Let's think about that the Holy Spirit is real and he's active and he's moving. And let's think that these commands are real and true and that's what we got to do. And so I'm excited. And I think the college kids, if you could start giving now, I mean, uh, whatever. You guys are going to be awesome uh, parts of your church community wherever you end up. Uh, for us that are here in Greeley, let's, be, let's think about it and let's go for it. I'll also end with my last little thing with my second homeless dude. Jeremy and I were kind of being dumb and trying to write this little book we got halfway through, and we were going to try to live off uh, no buying food and no eating food that we've already purchased for a month. Anyways, about three weeks into the deal, my bro- or Jeremy and I, it was pretty incredible how we were kind of blessed with food. And I mean, I, I ate domestic violence uh, peanut butter that got thrown out of a window, and that was kind of neat. <laughs> But uh, but I was walking but I was walking down the street one day and this homeless dude comes up to me and he goes, "Hey man," because uh, I was looking, you know, somewhat dirty but cleaner than him. And he said, "Hey man, you got some money?" And I said, and I could actually for the first time say, uh, "No, I don't have any money for food," because it was the truth for the first time instead of having to lie. But. Anyway, so we're, so we're walking along, and, and I'm like, man, I don't have food, or I don't have money for food, or whatever. And so he goes, okay, so we were talking a little bit, and then he pulls out this old bag of chips from Chipotle, I think, or something like that, but they were dirty. They were given to him for sure. And he said, you want a chip? And so uh, my mind said, that is dirty, no. <laughs> but, but I knew for the sake of it, I had to do it, and I had to take it. And so I ate that chip swallowed it, didn't get sick, but it was incredible to see that generosity, and it's not just to get those good feelings of, hey, I'm a generous person, but it's commanded by God, and so um, anyways, I hope, uh, I mean, I'm thankful for Aaron to be able to speak about this, and it stinks for him, and he does not like talking about money. He has to fight it, 
uh, and a couple of us on the team always push him and say, hey, we got to talk about it because it's a huge blessing as far as being able to be a part of something uh, that God is calling us to do. Uh, and we don't want you to feel under compulsion to give. However, we want you to give because God commands us to give. And so um, think about it, pray about it. If you have any questions, hit me up on the email, and uh, I will respond. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Yep. Yeah, I don't like talking about money specifically. And God's been working in my life with money in a a lot of different ways. Um, But as a church, I want you to know that we are learning to grow as an organization, to be very diligent, to be simple in what we do. We're not flashy. Why? So we can give 33% away. So we can give, what did you say, 50000 or whatever last year away. Church, thank you. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> praise God, dude. Praise God. Like, that, that's what I want to be a, a part of. And so I don't necessarily like speaking on money, but I do like speaking on this passage because when I look at this passage, I look at us. And it's definitely a passage on giving. And I encourage you to go home and I encourage you to read it. And I encourage you to let it grow in your heart as to what God is saying. But let's just walk through this one more time. And then, then we'll end and we're going to have communion today. And we'll continue celebrating and the Broncos will win and all that good stuff. But I want to walk through these, these eight verses, okay? And now, brothers and sisters... We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. God gave them grace, just like he's given us. In the midst of severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. God, would you make us a church, a people that is generous. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. Church, may we be a people that gets excited about joining together as we join together in the, in the gospel message around the world. In verse 5, And they exceeded our expectations, and they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Church, pray what and when and how you should give and be generous to people in your church and everywhere around the world. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love, uh, love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel this grace of giving. May we be a people known as generous givers. This gospel message is going from Greeley and beyond, and we get to be part of what God is doing. Church, I'm excited to see what happens as he continues to grow our organization to be more and more in love with him.